I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hi, this is Danny Merlino, Vice President of Strategic Development with Grow Your Occupancy. I am back for part two of my incredibly insightful conversation with TV host, author, and relocation specialist, Matt Paxton. If you haven't watched part one yet, check it out. In this episode of Grow Your Occupancy podcast, we're talking about storytelling and why we should be making a place for it in senior living communities. Well, let's jump back over to still kind of along the lines of with the adult um, daughter and with, you know, baby boomers, right? We're going to have this flow into our communities and how we should be treating them. Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, um, kind of with we've been treating them with gloves, like it's it's a different generation. Now, what do you think is the best form of communication or how we should be leading these conversations with this new arising group of oldest adult daughters? Oh, gosh. And I mean, I tell, I'm a storyteller, right? And so for me, I get people to tell their stories. And I'm I'm really advocating that we make a space in our communities for these people to tell their stories, whether they be prospects or residents. I mean, I am um, I don't want to speak for them. These are not women that need to be spoken for. I can assure you, they have their own voice, and I don't feel like we're giving them a space. And and here we are. You and I have already talked about also a daughter for God about thirty minutes or twenty minutes, yeah. but like, Grandma still wants a voice. Like, yes, I'm communicating with oldest adult daughter. She's helping me get it converted, but I still have to give grandma a space to tell her stories. And um, I think I should probably tell the story that I told in my speech, right? Um, About Armando, just because it it, it points the picture for who we, who we're dealing with, right? So we had a, I had a client and again, it was granddaughter who was, I don't know, just like 18. Oldest adult daughter who was 45, maybe she was 15, 16 or 17, and then oldest daughter 45, and then grandma who was 70. All three of them in the room, I'm with them and we're going through items. And my job is really cool. I get to look through the house with the people and I hear about really cool stories. And we're going through the house visiting and she's looking through pictures and there's this picture of a very handsome man. And I go, I go, wow, he's kind of good looking. And she's like, yeah, that's Armando. And then the granddaughter says, who is that? It's not grandpa. And not grandpa is the key part of the story, right? She's like, oh, it's Armando, blah, blah, blah. So she didn't tell Armando until after. Yeah, so she goes, who is that? And she goes, oh, that's Armando, my lover. I met him the summer before I met your grandfather. And then she just goes, next picture. And she goes over the next picture. And we're all like, no, 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 get back to Armando. And she, she flips back and she goes, yeah, you know, it was that summer I was an adjunct professor at MIT. And he was the history professor or he was the Spanish professor and I was the uh, art history professor and we had a torrid love affair and it was wonderful. And he moved back to Spain that next the summer. And then the next summer after that, I met your grandfather when he got back from the war. And, she and they goes, had no idea. No idea, right? And they're just like, uh, and she's like, he was very good looking, very handsome. And she goes, he's still handsome. I looked him up on Facebook the other day, you know? And grandpa has, 
of course, been in her life. They were married 50 years. And then he's, you know, had an amazing family and then he passed away. And so now she's just like looking up her ex-boyfriends on Facebook, like yeah. any woman does, right? Like that's normal. I mean, and I'm not going to admit to that, yeah. but. No, no, but look, that's what Facebook is for. That's what, you know, there's a large billion dollar economy on that. And at the end of the day, everyone in the room was shocked that grandma had a, a torrid love affair with this amazing man. And then guess what the punchline is? The granddaughter's like, you taught at MIT? And she's like, yeah, I was the first female, first female professor at MIT. And we're like, what? And like, that is who we're dealing with. These are not simple little ladies clutching their purse. They're complicated, yeah. bad, badass women that totally. have really incredible lives. So how does that affect you if you're listening right now? Okay, look, are you treating her like the innocent little lady clutching her purse? Or are you treating her like, no, you know, I'm not telling you to go hit on her, but I'm saying, look, this is a real woman that has real feelings and real things. So like for me, I'm saying like, hey, we need to be making spaces for them to tell their stories. We need to be positive, safe spaces for them to be telling their stories. We need to have event, more events that are wrapped around their storytelling and talking about, and then their knowledge. This lady was an art history professor at freaking MIT, okay? Yeah. Are we giving her a chance to teach a class? Yeah. Right? That is what we need to be doing with our residents and with our prospects even, giving them a space to share their knowledge and their stories. And I, and, and I just think that's a lot different than what we're currently doing. A hundred percent. You know, so I, I mentioned I'm the oldest adult daughter, oldest adult granddaughter. My grandfather passed away oh, about a, a year ago. Um, <clears throat> I am my grandmother's um, power of attorney, not activated, but having some, you know, health struggles. So attempting to help guide her. But I tell you what, I... I am very much like her, so I can I can appreciate this. But if I overstep and don't let her voice what her feelings are, what her thoughts are, and direct her life, this little 80-something-year-old Italian woman, she will be after me. She will slap my hand, literally, yes. put me back in my place two generations down, and very quickly remind me how strong and independent she still is. And I'm like... Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we forget I mean, that we bypass our prospects and actually, you know, try and go to what, who we think the decision maker is, but these are definitely individuals, women that can make their own decisions. Oh yeah. I mean, and look, they're allowing us to help them. We're not yeah. helping them. Yeah. They are allowing us to help them a lot of times because they feel like, they like us so much they want to let us in. They don't maybe need us to. Yeah. At least they don't think they need us to, but they're allowing us to. I, you know, I had a I had a community one time that invited as I'm, we're telling the story, I'm realizing it. They had me come in and teach a probate class. And they were like, okay, what are the things you need to look for in a house when you're cleaning to deal with probate? And it was all oldest adult daughter. And I realized when we got there, we had made the mistake it wasn't a multi-generational class. We should have had both. And the answer was, well, you know, that's kind of morbid. Like, we're going to talk about the lady that's going to die and she's sitting next to her. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I mean, like, so I had a really unique situation. My dad got to basically do his own funeral. My dad had three weeks. My dad found out he had cancer and he knew he had three weeks. Like, the best way to go. I'm going to be really blunt. My dad, like, he wasn't feeling good. Went to the hospital. They were like, dude, you have terminal cancer, maybe three weeks. So he threw a party for himself and he threw a funeral for himself. And so I got to plan everything right next to him. And so my unique experience is different than everyone else's. I didn't have all this. It wasn't, I mean, I'm sad. I'm still sad that my dad's gone. But dude, I got to party with my dad and hear all the stories and plan everything with him. So like, 
I, I mean, I basically got to see everybody. It was more of a roast than a funeral. You know, like they told him every joke. They told him everything they loved. And so I always think like, gosh, that's the way it should be. And and so he was able to just go happily and positively. And so I, I, I often take that approach with any of my branding or marketing. You know, like I use a lot of humor, if you can't tell. Dark yes. humor. And I get right yeah. at it. <laughs> I mean, I had an ad, my original, my my first ad for my business 20 years ago was call us before your kids do. And I, and I actually ran it in the, in the obituaries and people thought I was totally unprofessional for me to, this is 20 years ago, by the way. And they, and, I and always the advertised industry, in the yeah. obituaries. Oh, That's where people go. Whole, it's fine. The whole industry thought it was so inappropriate and now everyone does it. Right. And I'm like, it's yeah. the only part of the paper that still gets read. And again, this is 20 years ago when people still got the paper. Right. Um, but that was a very successful campaign. I yeah. said, call me before your kids do. I can help you go through your stuff. And they, man, did my phone ring. Right? Yeah, I bet. But, that, but that's humor. It's not awful humor, but we used humor. And it it was it sure differentiated us from everyone else. I'll say that everyone else is, you know, ooh, let us gently help your mother transition her things from point A to point B. And we'll do it, you know, we'll treat her like an angel and she can take a nap. And it was just like, yeah. dude, come on. Like, yeah. stop being so perfect. These are yeah. not perfect women. They, you know, shacked up with somebody at Woodstock. Like, chill out. Like they didn't meet grandpa when he got off the train right. from the war being a hero. You know, grandpa was the, he happened to be standing on the bus when grandma got off the bus. He got I'm, lucky. I'm being, yeah. I'm being, yeah, he got lucky. He got to hang out with the hottest girl in the, in the, in the field. Right. Yeah. Like I'm being, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not like, I mean, I really, and I appreciate you having me on to talk about this. I mean, I am trying to tell the stories as ridiculous as they are so that we remember like, oh yeah, these are real people like us. And it's up to you as a community, what your branding is going to be, your messaging is going to be, but your tone is what's wrong and your tone is what we can change. Absolutely. You know, speaking of that, that advertising piece, there is a billboard just on the road from me here, and it's an advertisement for a funeral home. And it's this picture of this 80 something year old lady in a really ugly dress and it says you never wanted to be caught dead in this dress so it, it's a message of <laughs> get your wearing, funeral planning yeah. you know done yeah. now your kids done. are going to put you in this dress yeah. and like I it hit me because like that terrifies me like I'm like yeah. oh my gosh my kids will probably do that to me and I want to have that control and you know plan those yeah. things out what they a, used humor and it was great what a yeah what a brilliant billboard i mean yeah you, you know it makes you stop it makes yep. you read it makes you think and then it makes you take action yep you know and i think we are in a great situation where if you pivot now you can differentiate yourself and be heard i mean i promise you in five years using humor like this and talking to grandma more bluntly um you're not going to differentiate because everybody will have already done it but right. you have a really strong five-year window here where it's going to take people because remember our our executive directors are a little more conservative and to get approval on these things it's going to be harder to do and so i think taking a chance and i'm not saying like you know like where are all you bitches at like i'm not telling you to like curse and say crazy things but you can relax and be a little bit more different right and we can and and i'm bigger on i mean stop like i think it's crazy that people create ads and don't have you know a group of 20 of our residents, and, you know, giving feedback on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and telling their I, stories. And I mean, I've, I don't know. I've always, so I used to, in the hoarding world, I had a lot of uh, employees that were ex-cons 
And hoarding is a really hard business to clean. This is by, by no means am I saying I'm going to bring an ex-con into your community to move grandma. That's not the case at all. But what I'm saying is 25 years ago, I did a lot of hoarding houses and I had three or four guys that were from, that were out of the system and they were clean and sober and really working hard guys. And they were great. And they understood isolation better than anyone else could because they were in prison for 20 years. And so I started creating a lot of hoarding content and I was doing training on how to work with the hoarder. And so I started actually like using guys that were in prison to understand, like to make sure that I would, I would have hoarders look at it. And then I would have guys that had, that were really good workers and they were going to be coming out. And I was using it as a recruiting tool actually to get these guys to work for me. But I was like, why would you, people are like, why would you take it? Why would you go to prison? I'm like, dude, that's my audience. And they're literally captive. They have nothing else to do. They would love to participate. Like it blows my mind that we are like doing surveys and paying other people to answer the surveys. And we're not using our residents yeah. to, to tell that us feedback. what worked for them. Yep. Like oh, it blows my mind. On. They would love to participate and they trust me. They got opinions. Sure do. Right? Yeah. And guess what? We should probably, us. we should probably listen. You know, if it's a complaint, that's not an opinion. That's a complaint and that's an issue. And that is what it is. But a lot of times that if you come to them with equal respect and say, Hey, we're working on a campaign and we really want to put you on the job here. Can I pay you 25 bucks for an hour of your time? And you're going to laugh and be like, actually, yeah, this is really cool. And they want to get involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially like, I remember once I had a resident that was, it went to the moon, a resident that I helped move into a community. He had actually went on the moon. Talk about an expert about right. a specific topic. And, and then we the move them into yeah. our community and have like yeah. bingo and arts yeah. and crafts for these oh. individuals who have been to the moon yeah. or who was a professor at MIT and we expect them to thrive and be happy. Yeah, we've got to use the intellect that is in our walls. It's there. Like it's amazing what's there actually. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. And then they're in and by the way, it then it's there. It's it's actually resonant generated or prospect generated content. You didn't have to write it. You just have to refine it. Right. Like I mean, I can't I, I cannot stress that enough how much good content is in there. And the stories that are in the walls. I mean, I, I, I used to try to, I tried to sell a podcast to senior living communities for years. I was like, just let me come and, and interview these people. And I do the stories in our walls. Oh. And I can't believe no one's done it. These people oh. are still not doing it. It's please better than anything. On that. It's, take the damn idea and do it, man. Yeah. I, you know, I don't need any credit for it. But like, that is a recruit, that is a recruiting tool for you as well. Think about the people that would come to work there listening to those stories and the people that would want to live there listening to those stories they're in your communities give them a chance to talk i actually saw on linkedin um a podcast and it's called i hope i get this right mannies with grannies okay so they're sitting there That's doing their residents yeah their yeah. nails and giving them a chance to tell oh. their stories and it's the cutest oh. thing ever i love when it pops up on my feed because i'm like I'm yes. write that down Maybe yeah it's so cute with green so cute green. well as we wrap up here yeah. matt you have seven children yes i have three okay <laughs> um i like i said we didn't meet on the hoarder show um I have a lot of shoes by my front door. How are seven <laughs> kids? Like, how do you, so, you're busy with gonna, your career. How, yeah. are you, how do you juggle everything? I'm going to blow your mind. We, okay. well, I married, uh, I'm, my wife is a minimalist expert and I actually okay. met her because I read her book. It's called Minimalism for Families. That's how I met my wife. I read her book. It was a really good book. 
and it taught me how to manage stuff. I had the same problem you did. I had too many, too many, I had three kids back then. I had three boys of my own. I was a single dad. I had my, my kids full time and I was overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do. Um, believe it or not, we are minimalist by choice. And when I say minimalist, I mean real deal. I have five shirts. I have two pair of pants. Uh, I do have 10 pair of shoes, uh, but they all fit in my space. Each one of our, everyone in our family has a four Getting foot anxiety. by eight foot. Yeah, we have a four foot by eight foot cubby. We have a locker. So we actually have a room in our house, which is a locker room. We built it strictly for this. Um, but everything you own as an individual fits in that four by eight space. We have no walk-in closets, you guys. We have very little furniture. Um, we have each kid has three drawers for their seasonal clothes. Um, I will. The, here's the deal: you can live with far less, and I'm not going to pitch hard on minimalism here. But for me, we were really, really focused on having more of our life focused on experiences and less on stuff. And let's tie it back to our communities, man. We we have our clients pare down their stuff by 75 to 80 percent. That's the number I will tell you professionally. Um, and I, every client I've ever worked with is freaking out and they're unhappy and they're nervous and they don't want to get rid of all the stuff. I've never in 25 years had a client call me and say, move me back. <laughs> they're too busy. They're too happy. And they got far less stuff. So the irony here is we could do it too much earlier in life. Um, I cannot stress to you, um, your kid does not need this stuff. And what we do is, I mean, each one of my kids has a pair of Crocs and two pair of shoes. That's it. They will use whatever is in front of them and they will use the heck out of it. Um, it's, it's us, the parents that typically struggle with getting rid of things. So I have, I have one jacket, one sweatshirt, um, and then I mean, three pair of shoes, but honestly, they only wear two. They wear the Crocs all the time and I hate Crocs. Don't get me started. They fall, trip. And yeah, we got medical bills because of Crocs, really? but legitimate medical bills because of Crocs. But if you leave eight pair of shoes at the store, at this, at this friend's stuff, they're going to wear eight pair of shoes. If you leave two, they're going to wear two. And they don't care. They could care less. They just want to have fun and hang out. I mean, I could do a whole nother podcast on what we do to organize with kids. Um, oh, but it's, oh, it's smaller numbers. It's much smaller numbers, much manageable. And um, our kids and our adults have too much stuff. And the stuff is what creates the anxiety. And that is why I have a career. I've been doing this for 25 years because <laughs> I help people go through this stuff. But man, I, I love it. I have not, I have nothing. I have no stuff and I absolutely love it because I spend no time managing it. Yeah. I spend time having fun, doing really cool stuff. That's awesome. I, I'm going to start with the shoe issue and I will report back to you. That'll be like my Let me know how it goes. Here's yeah. my advice. If you haven't worn them, the shoes are in two, I say two years on shoes, one year on clothes see where you get to try to pick five items anyone that's listening right now just try to pick five items that you can donate or sell okay. and don't underestimate Poshmark you can sell a lot of stuff on Poshmark you can sell a lot of good stuff on Poshmark or the real real there's a lot of opportunities there um, but don't be afraid to sell and then don't be afraid to donate your stuff find a donation center that you believe in one that you really care about that, that gets you excited and donate and the more you donate yeah, the more you donate, the more of the better you'll feel. And man, like the last, I've just had the declaring tip. It took you 50 years to fill a house. You're not going to clean it out in three days. Right. It's going to take you, it's gonna take you two. You should plan on clearing out your house for two years. You should work an hour every other night. That's it. An hour every other night for a year. You'll be good. Because you want to take time to tell the stories. Um, but you cannot clean your house out successfully in a week. It's not realistic. It's just not realistic. And it's not enjoyable. And yeah. at our age, we need to enjoy and have fun. So, hey, for all the listeners, I'm always available for speeches and educational seminars and things like that. How do so they get a hold of you? What's the best way? 
uh, website, I am Matt Paxton.com. I am Matt Paxton. Or you could just say guy from Google guy from hoarders and I come up. Awesome. There's a guy that got eaten by a bunch of rats. He comes up first. I'm the other guy. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm, Still living. I'm not the rat guy. I'm not the rat guy. I'm the other guy from hoarders, but I am Matt Paxton is the best way to get me on all, all social media is I am Matt Paxton as well. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Great takeaways. I really hope the industry is listening and we can change well, we'll our messaging. Yeah. We'll see in the tone. We'll hear, you know, we'll see as the residents connect more with you. If you change the tone, they'll be more, more connected yeah. with you and the prospects will be more interested. And so you will or you won't, but it'll be cool to see if they do. And I think Absolutely. it'll answer a lot of the challenges that we have. And I appreciate you bringing me on to talk about this. Yeah. Thank you, Matt.